Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Parshas Bishalach, and we're going to be talking about the Halachas of Halachas Neiris. This is the final part of this uh, series. This is the fifth part of the series of Halachas Neiris, and we're going to finish with this and also make a little review now. So the last point I'd like to discuss regarding Halachas Neiris is where do you light when you are either eating at someone else's house, although you're sleeping at home, or both you're eating and sleeping away from home, where is the right place to light the Hadlachas Neris in that situation? So if you're home for Shabbos, you're home for Shabbos, but Friday night you're eating by someone else, ideally the best place to light is at home, in your house. However, this sometimes can be tricky. Number one, if the person you're eating by is quite a distance from your house, so you may not want to have to walk there. And if you light at home, really your Mechabal Shabbos, as we discussed previously, when you light, so you can't really drive there, you would have to make this condition, a tznai, that you're not being Mechabal Shabbos, and then drive there. And we've explained that that's also not ideal, that's only for, you know, a Shasad Chak. So lighting at home will make it difficult for you to get to your meal. Secondly, if you light at home, you have to ensure that the Neiros are still burning when you get home at night, or you can stay home until it becomes dark outside and then go to the meal, so that you can have benefit from the nearest. You only uh, really have benefit from the nearest once it's dark outside. And this can be difficult if it's an early Shabbos. You have to get nearest that burn quite a long time for them to burn into the night when you're going away and coming back. Now, there are many people that have the minig to light in the place where they're eating, even when they're sleeping at home. They still light at the place wherever they're eating. And one can definitely rely on this opinion because it's a very prevalent minig. Many people have this minig. So you can rely on this opinion and light where you're eating and thereby avoid all the above problems. And obviously, it only works if you're invited to be at your uh, host before Shabbos begins. So you do have that option. But nevertheless, as far as halacha is concerned, the place can seem to hold that the better, better option is to light at home. So if you have... The option, and it's not too complicated, that's what you should do. You should rather light at home than light in the place where you're eating. That's the ideal place to light. But again, if it's difficult, if it's complicated, you could light at the place where you're eating. Now, when you're away from home, right, totally, which means you're eating and sleeping away from home. So if you're eating and sleeping in one place, you're a guest by someone, so obviously that's where you'll light. That's easy. But often you're there, for example, you're attending a simcha. So you're sleeping at one person who's hosting you, and the suitors are taking place someone else in the hall. And in that case, really the best place to light would be where you're planning on spending most of your time. Generally, if you're staying by someone who you don't even know, so you're not going to be hanging out by your host, who is someone that you have no connection with, you have no relationship with, and like, likelihood is that most of your time on Sabbath will be spent in the hall or, or you know, in together with the people that you know. So therefore, in that situation, the best place to light is actually where you will be eating. Because that's where you're going to be spending most of your time on Shabbos. That's really the right place to light. If the situation is that you'll be spending considerable time at the place of where you're sleeping, then that's where you should light. The truth is that you're yaitse either way. You can light where you're sleeping or you can light where you're eating. You're going to be yaitse either way. But as far as what's the ideal place, so if the main place for, your main place for Shabbos is really the place where you're eating, then light there. And if the main place is the place where you're sleeping, then light there. When you're staying at a hotel, 
for Shabbos, which is hosting a simcha, many times the hotel doesn't want you to light in your room. So they set up a, des- a designated place for everybody to light neris, and they put you know, pans there. And ideally, that really should be in the place where you're eating. It should be in the dining room, in the, in the ballroom. And then you can light the Elchechila, just as you always light in the place where you eat. But if it's in a separate, disconnected room, it's just like Adlach is Neir's room, so it's not really ideal to light there. But if that is the only option given, then you could light Ambiyites over there. Let's review some of the halachas we have learned. We, lear- we learned that you light minimum two Neiris. One is for Zohar and one is for Shomar, the two words for Shabbos in the two Luchais. But you could be Yaitza even if you just light one. Electric lights can be used for Neiris. If they are incandescent, you can even make a bracha on them. Just you need to turn them off and turn them back on, Lekavet Shabbos, before Shabbos. If you miss a Shabbos of Hadlakas Neiris, if it was an Inus and it was out of your control, then, then it's not your fault. But if there was some element of Shia or some element of, uh, of uh, being not responsible, then there's a requirement to light an extra candle from that Shabbos and on. If, though, someone lit in your house, even if they lit as their own chiyah, the, the guest or the host or whoever it is, someone else lit in the household, even though they didn't specifically light for you, but as long as someone else lit in the household, and certainly if they lit in, on your behalf or if it's one of your children that lit on your behalf, then you're not required to add a candle. If you missed a hadlakas neris because it was yantiv, not shabbos, you missed the yantiv one, then you don't have to add a candle as well. When you light candles, you're automatically Mikabel Shabbos, unless you make a specific condition before you light that you aren't being Mikabel Shabbos. And even so, this should only be, be done if there's a valid need to do so. If you're lighting earlier than 18 minutes before Skia, you should see to it that you are not lighting too early, which is before Plag HaMincha, which is an hour and 15 minutes before Skia, but not an hour and 15 minutes uh, of typical minutes. It's kol uh, shalim zmanius. It, it, it kind of changes. It can be as much as an hour and a half. It can be as little as, as 55 minutes, but around that much time. In other words, if you're lighting more than an hour and a half before shkia, you're probably lighting too early. And by early Shabbat, this can easily be the case. So you have to be careful not to light too early before shkia. And lastly, we discussed what is the halacha when either you or your husband are away from home or a child is away from home, do you have an individually have an obligation to light Neris, or are you yoyte with the hadlaka of whoever remained at home? And it depends. If you have your own room, like a hotel room, then you are obligated. But if you're just a guest in a guest room, then you could be yoyte with your person who, who's still at home, a husband or wife. Obviously, if you want, you can light your own Neris. You can always choose to light your own Neris. Parshas B'Shalach, in the beginning of this parsha as it describes how Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim, it says the following things. The following thing. Vachamushim alu b'nei Yisrael meretz Mitzrayim. That means Vachamushim, they left Mitzrayim, either it means prepared or it means armed. They, were, they, they had, took weapons. Vachamushim alu b'nei Yisrael meretz Mitzrayim. So they left prepared. Vayikach Moishas asked Moshe Yosef Ima, and Moshe took the bones of the coffin of Yosef with him. Ki hashbiya has been a Yisrael because Yosef made Kal Yisrael swear, take an oath. Lemar, pocket yifkad alakim eschem, Hashem will redeem you. And you should take my bones with you together. So it, it's certainly important that Yosef's bones were taken from Mitzrayim as promised. This is the last mention of them, really, the Torah makes of them until Yeshua buries Yosef and Sefer Yeshua. 
But it seems interesting that this Pasuk is inserted just here as part of the description of how Kla Yisrael left Mitzrayim. Really, it's last week's parsha that talks about what they took from Mitzrayim. They took the gold, they took the silver. Chazal even say that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't take any gold and silver. He left Mitzrayim penniless because he was busy carrying Yosef Zaren. That's what he was busy with. So that's when really this should have been mentioned because that's what the discussion in the end of last week's parsha. This week's parsha is talking about the fact after they left already. So why is it mentioned right here? that my Yosef took Asmus Yosef. And not only that, but we have to mention the whole reasoning behind it, which was that he made a swear, and he said, that seems like extra, not necessary, really. And why is it specifically in this place? The truth is, though, that the presence of the Aaron of Yosef, the presence of Yosef's coffin, plays a big role in Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. We say in Halal, Hayom Ro'o Vayanos. The sea, meaning Yamsuf, saw, and it fled. And Chazal asked, what did it see? What did it see that caused it to, fled, to, fl- to flee? So Chazal say, it saw the Aaron of Yosef. And that's why it fled. That's why it fled. The Zayar goes a step further and explains that in the merit of Vayonos Vayetze Hachutza, Yosef ran out of the house. He left his shirt in the hand of Patifra's wife. And he fled outside to escape from sinning, he merited that the sea, the Yamsuf, fled before him. Sefer Manas HaLevi of the Baal Chadadi, the person who composed the Chadadi, he explains that this is why we have the order of our Psukim. It says as follows, Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim prepared. They were armed for their journey. They, they, they knew they were facing a war with the Mitzrayim. But what was their preparation? What armaments did they take along? They took the Aaron of Yosef HaTzadik. That, that was their secret weapon. And sure enough, that is what caused the Yamsuf to split open and allow them passage and escape from the Mitzvah. That's why this Pasuk is here. It's the explanation for Hamushim, all of Yisrael, Meretz, and Shrein. It was the Aaron of Yosef. See, they needed a weapon in a physical sense, but much more than that, they needed a weapon in a spiritual sense. Something to combat the Midas HaDin that was standing in their way. Let's understand this a little. Chazal say that later in the Midbar, as Kalal Yisrael traveled, they always had the Aran HaKadosh in their midst. The Aran HaKadosh that stood in the Kadosh HaKadoshim, it contained the Luchos. When they traveled, it was carried in the center of their encampment. That's how it traveled. But right next to the Holy Aran, which contained the Luchos, traveled the Aran of Yosef HaTadik, his coffin. And people would ask, what is that second Aran traveling alongside the first? And they would be told it was the Aaron of Yosef. Do you know why he merits to travel alongside the Aaron HaKadosh? Because he kept all that was written on the Luchos. Everything that's in the Torah, he kept it. Whatever was written in the, in the Luchos, in the Aaron, Aaron HaKadosh, in the Torah, he was Mekayimit. That's why he traveled alongside. Now, this is a fascinating thing. Undoubtedly, Yosef Atadi kept the whole Torah, as did all the others. But we're not referring to those mitzvahs that Yosef performed voluntarily. That didn't set him apart from the rest of the Shvatim. They also were, their bones were carried to Israel as well. That isn't what earned him special mention in these psukim. The one act that we are referring to was the fact that he ran away from the wife of Petifah. And in this respect, he earned the distinction of someone who has kept the whole Torah worthy of being carried alongside the Arna Kaidish 
demonstrating to Klai Yisrael that he is just as important, just as much as a protection for them and an inspiration for them as the Arna Kaidish was. There's more here as well. Yosef guaranteed Klai Yisrael they would be redeemed. He said, Pakaid Yifkaid Elakim Eschem. The passing is quoted in this week's parasha and is in the end of Ayichi. Hashem will surely redeem you. That's Pakaid Yifkaid. That's why he says it twice. And then he made them swear to take him along. That promise that Yosef gave to Klai Yisrael, that was their hope. It was their beacon. It's what they held on to. When Moshe Rabbeinu was told to inform Klai Yisrael that their time of redemption had arrived, Hashem on the by the snare, told him, use this language, same language, I will redeem you, and Rashi explains, because they had been holding on to this tradition, that their redemption will come through those words. But Yosef was telling them something a lot deeper when he told them that. There was a, a very important connection between Hashem will redeem you, and and you'll take my bones out of the shrine. It means like this, Moshe was telling them, you know why my bones are going to leave Mitzrayim? I have no place here in Mitzrayim. Not even the most physical, the part seemingly devoid of any ruchnias, my lifeless body, has no place here in Mitzrayim. I rejected all that Mitzrayim has to offer. I ran away, and I clung to my Jewish identity. I refused to live with a non-Jewish woman and ruin my ruchnias. I maintained my Kedusha in the face of a tremendous Messiah. And in that way, his whole body his physical body became intensely holy. It lost all resemblance to something physical and became spiritual. There was no way to keep it in Mitzrayim. And he was telling Klai Yisrael something. The Medrash Rabbah in Vayikra says that in the schus that Yosef HaTzadik controls himself from forbidden relations, all the men in Mitzrayim were zeicha to withstand that temptation. And in the schus that Sari Yimeinu withstood Parai, all the women in Mitzrayim withstood that temptation. And the Medrash continues to say that the schus of being holy and pure from this Avera was sufficient in it of itself for Klal Yisrael to merit leaving Mitzrayim. Yosef was an inspiration for the whole future generation. 200 years of men being oppressed by the Mitzrayim withstood the temptation. The Aaron of Yosef was the symbol of what it meant to keep the Torah and to be a tzaddik, and he inspired all of the Jews. Yosef withstood the most difficult Messiah of all and clung to Kedusha. He went against everything natural, everything that his mind and body were screaming for him to do. Him living with the wife of Petifer was his ticket to freedom, any sort of betterment of his situation. And him refusing her was, as we saw, the ticket to the dungeon and probable death. He rejected her and the Toma of Mitzrayim and this is what the Torah is all about, learning how to cling to Kedusha and reject Tumas, stick with Hashem, no matter what the test is. And when someone triumphs in such an assignment, his physical self becomes holy, it becomes spiritual. And then the Teva of the world has no longer any control over it. And this is what Yosef was telling all of Kal Yisrael, my bones will leave Mitzrayim because I have nothing to do with Mitzrayim. I rejected this temptation and you need to do that too. And that's how you're going to get out of Mitzrayim. And when Yosef's Aaron approached the Amsuf, it split open. Because the natural world has no strength to stand before Yosef Atzadik, who got full control over the natural world. He transformed the physical world into its spiritual potential. Now, the Amsuf didn't want to split open. Why? Because Kali Yisrael were serving idols. And they weren't that different than the Mitzrayim in that way. 
The Yamsuf saw this as a Chil Hashem. We will save the people who serve idols? But the Chidah explains that the Aaron of Yosef demonstrated to the Yamsuf our intrinsic holiness, our potential, our power to keep the whole terror because we can control our desires, our temptations, our urges. We successfully did withstand the temptation of Mitzrayim. We emulated Yosef. We can triumph over Gashmias and convert it into something holy, spiritual, elevated. And that caused not, the answer not only to split open, but to flee from in front of us. It's just amazing how the whole Torah, in a way, can be encapsulated into a simple act and an act so simple that it isn't even doing something. It's just rather not doing something. The power of overcoming a Yetzirah, withstanding an assign and not doing something you really wanted to do is incredible. We have wins and losses. We know we do sometimes what we want and sometimes we don't. But we don't value the time that we actually didn't speak Lashon Hara, for example. How powerful is that moment that we held ourselves back? How much Kedusha did we bring down to the whole world and ourselves from that? We don't look at it as an accomplishment because we don't like see anything got done. We just didn't do what we're not supposed to be doing anyway. And that's how the Yamsuf looked at things. But the truth overcame that. The power of controlling ourselves and holding back is the whole Torah in one act, one non-act. And it's awesome and needs to be appreciated and cherished. It's one of the greatest gifts we have is from Jews the ability to control ourselves and to bring such Kedusha into the world by doing so. Have a good night and a good Shabbos.